I'm Steve DiCostanzo, the uh, general manager of WPKN. We're at 89.5 FM uh, in Bridgeport, and we stream at WPKN.org. And once a month, which would be the third Monday of every month, I have a chance to do my uh, GM report to the listeners. It's a chance for me to get uh, caught up uh, with some of the uh, nonprofits and events going on in the community and also a chance uh, for us to uh, tell you a little bit about some of the different uh, things that have happened of late and also some uh, things that we're planning on uh, in the near term. So I've got a pretty full show today, and I hope, uh, first of all, just to wish you all uh, a good August. And, uh, boy, it's amazing how fast... Uh, the summer has been uh, moving moving by. I guess the only th- positive thing over the weekend was the drop in temperatures. But I was actually up in New Hampshire uh, with um, my some family members and a nephew who's up uh, doing summer stock theater in uh, New London, New Hampshire. And, you know, just when you thought maybe COVID was uh, starting to uh, quiet down, uh, lo and behold, when, when I arrived up there, they had canceled the entire weekend of shows because all 20 of the actors and actresses had come down with COVID. So uh, although I did not have a chance to see some fine uh, summer stock theater, uh, it was uh, a good trip anyways for um, kind of a family get together, which I know many of you probably are trying to do that in, during the summer as well. Uh, let me... Uh, try to give you a little bit of uh, updates on a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to talk ab- about the uh, Bridgeport Film Festival that, that wrapped uh, at the towards the end of July. Uh, it was really a fantastic uh, program. I, I have to give uh, you know big props to uh, the board of directors and uh, uh, Jason Coombs, who really put this thing together uh, with his uh, whole staff. It was um, you know really professionally done and some great films. Of course, WPKN was really proud to be uh, a film, a closing film on Saturday uh, for our full-length documentary film, uh, The Greatest Radio Station in the World. And that was, uh, there was a nice turnout. It was a slightly different cut than the director's cut that we had done. Uh, I think it would have been trimmed down to about two hours. And uh, Cobb Carlson uh, gave a nice talk back uh, after uh, the show as well, and it was actually the only full uh, full um, length documentary that was part uh, of the film festival. Most of the uh, films were shorts, and they were very, uh, uh, I think, smartly put together in blocks of uh, of you know viewing opportunities. So um, again, that was their second uh, effort at doing the Bridgeport Film Fest, and uh, looking forward to next year's uh, as well. Now, let me just see uh, if I've got uh, Luis Luna on the line. Luis, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, uh, Steve. How are you doing? Hold on for one second. I just wanted to make sure that you were on the line. I'm kind of talking about a couple of things that uh, about from WPKN's perspective. We just talked about the Bridgeport Film Festival. But I also wanted to mention that um, many of you uh, have heard uh, that the uh, Eric Cox passed away, and we're still mourning uh, the loss of this uh, very um, intelligent and clever programmer who had spent uh, about, uh, I say, almost 12, 15 years 
here at WPKN. He died uh, at age 73 of natural causes on July 13th. Uh, he is um, uh, there's well he is going to be celebrated uh, this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a celebration of life for Eric Cox. It's going to be hosted by his son James Cox in Weston, Connecticut, at uh, Eric's home uh, at 95 Old Hyde Road, Weston, Connecticut. We're going to be putting something uh, up on uh, social media. And also, uh, I think we'll try to get something up on our homepage. But otherwise, we will be putting up uh, on both of our Facebook pages the uh, the full address and, and how you can reach out. It's going to be from 3 p.m. until 8 p.m. again this Saturday in Weston, Connecticut. Uh, a couple of things that are happening that have just been announced. Well, we're announcing them today. How about that? Uh, WPCAN's Music Mash, which we've always done the first Saturday of March, we're actually going to double up this year. We're going to do another Music Mash event at Reed's Art Space. It's our big record fair with uh, all kinds of dealers from New England coming out. It's going to be held on Saturday, October 29th. So just uh, um, hold the date uh, if you might. That's Music Mash. It's going to be Saturday, October 29th, one of our bigger fundraisers uh, at Reed's Art Space in downtown Bridgeport. Uh, Let me also mention just briefly who is going to be on the show, and then I want to bring in uh, Luis Luna as well, uh, one of our programmers, and uh, we're going to set the stage for uh, a celebration of Hispanic heritage coming up. Uh, We were going to have Dr. Dwayne Smith on today, he's the CEO of Housatonic uh, Community College. Uh, he actually was uh, on a flight at about exactly this time, so he's probably just taking off from the Midwest, so that's not going to work. He was on, on vacation. So we're going to get uh, caught up with him in September. Uh, I have a few other folks here. I've got Christina Smith, who's president and CEO of uh, Groundwork Bridgeport, and uh, she's going to join us, uh, talk a little bit about that really fine uh, nonprofit that's based here in Bridgeport. Uh, also, uh, we have uh, Joanne Hudson, who's the founder and festival and a board chair of the Ridgefield Independent Film Festival. And they are doing something uh, special this Sunday uh, at the Ridgefield Playhouse. And we're going to talk to uh, Joanne about uh, the uh, riff uh, and also what they're doing um, this this Sunday. Uh, I'm also then going to talk with Susan Clark, who is uh, a publisher and uh, also a founder of a, a new newspaper uh, from Reading, Connecticut, called the Reading Sentinel. It is uh, a print newspaper, uh, not not a digital paper, uh, but uh, it's it's gotten off to a really uh, good start. So I'm I'm happy to have her in the studio. As well, and um, okay, good. So, um, Luis, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Good to good to have you uh, with us. You know, with, with um, uh, Doctor Smith uh, not able to come in, I'm glad you could join us because I wanted to talk anyway about Hispanic Heritage Month, and you know, I thought what I what we could do is. Um, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the background. Uh, Luis is actually uh, head 
uh, board chair of the planning group at WPCAN. Uh, Luis and, and Lupa Malas have been doing a lot of really great work. So uh, we had written a grant proposal uh, for some uh, grant money that was going to be focused on Black History Month and also Hispanic Heritage Month. And we were able to receive those funds. And so we've uh, uh, we put together a uh, advisory committee for Black History Month in February. And we have been working and doing the same for Hispanic Heritage, which runs from September 15th through October 15th. And uh, I thought what I would do is, uh, Luis, just go through that list. Um, and then we can kind of talk a little bit about... I mean, I have a lot, a lot of notes in front of me. I'm not sure if you do, but I, it, we're going to talk about kind of the different uh, programs that we are going to use the grant for. Um, and some of those have to do with films and also some concerts. And we're also going to be uh, collaborating uh, on a, a theater production at the Klein. But... Uh, Luis was part of the uh, group that really uh, was doing some outreach into the community to try to find uh, those uh, kind of influencers, you know, in Bridgeport, greater Bridgeport, in the Hispanic and Latino uh, population. And like we did with Black History Month, we tried to have a lot of uh, diverse uh, points of view uh, people that had an academic background, legal background, small business background, uh, maybe they're a social activist as well. So, you know, and we try to have different ages as well and different uh, uh, different countries of, of origin, so to speak. And so we've come up with a, a couple of really great uh, choices. Uh, John Torres, we actually have uh, John Torres, who is the executive director of the Bridgeport uh, Caribe uh, Youth Leaders group and uh we are really excited to be working with with him uh he has in his 19 years of running uh the bcyl really uh just done some tremendous things having started just from little league baseball you know he's really grown into a lot of mentoring and and work in the school and after school programming etc so we're really excited uh, to have him uh, on the on the on the uh, committee, uh, Asher Delarme. Uh, Asher Delarme is from a group called Casa, which is a drug and alcohol rehab center, and he's also a musician. And he's just been a real kind of pillar of the uh, uh, Latino community here uh, in Bridgeport, doing a lot of great things. Uh, Andrea Fedor is an officer at uh, the Newtown Savings Bank, and she uh, is um, also involved with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, And her background, she's uh, originally from Ecuador. Uh, Luis, you're also, if I remember correctly, you're from Ecuador. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And and, uh, so I know that you've had a couple of conversations with Andrea. It's nice to have her on board. Uh, And I think that you you worked out something where we can, you know, WP can actually, can actually be involved at uh, a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce event that they're doing uh, in October. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, so you know, before we uh, we go into this, I just wanted to um, just, like, lift up uh, Eric Cox. 
Um, you mentioned him earlier, and uh, you know, like my condolences, condolences to all his friends, and you know, folks who might be listening right now. Uh, you know, big loss for the community, and also a big loss for uh, WPKN. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like I'm, you know, really excited about the Hispanic Heritage uh, Festival and celebration uh, starting on October fifteenth. Uh, uh, but the, the unofficial start is going to be on uh, on with Lupo Male's uh, show on the eleventh. And then we're gonna like try to like end that with with his show as well. Um, I think that you know really really uh, excited about uh, you know so many folks getting together to to work on this and and, and making the first uh, Hispanic Heritage Month celebration you know a big a big big su- success. Um, so we you know we have a really awesome group of uh, of of, uh, of folks who are in the advisory committee and also folks who are working uh, sort of like behind the scenes to make sure that the trains run and. And that, and that we get a uh, good, good, uh, good uh, uh, month of celebration. Um, so, as uh, Steve, uh, Steve mentioned, uh, we are going to start with uh, a um, a uh, theater um, performance called La Gringa uh, on the 16th. Um, uh, on the 21st, we're going to have a uh, a film um, at the Bijou Theater. Uh, that's on the 21st at 7:30. Uh, we're gonna uh, highlight uh, Cesar Batalla, who is, uh, you know, one uh, Bridgeport uh, icon, um, and and that will be followed. We're gonna have Frank, uh, Frank Boris, uh, who is a producer and director from Bridgeport. Uh, he's gonna do speak a little bit about uh, the that short um, documentary. Um, we and that day we're going to show the big uh, this big documentary called Buena Vista Social Club, which many of you uh, might see or are familiar with it. And you know we're going to have a, a lot of fun with that film. Uh, on the twenty third, uh, we're going to have a um, our first concert at the Bijou Theater, um, which is going to, which is where where our home is. And we're going to have um, I'm very excited about Cosmic Hibaros and Rick Reyes, who are going to be like really really killing it. They're going to be the main the main uh, group. We're gonna have a uh, also a mariachi band. We're gonna have uh, Proyecto Cimarron, Folkloric Ensemble, um, and we're gonna start the night with uh, Ricardo Paredes, who's a Peruvian uh, charango uh, player. So that's gonna be really fun. Um, on the 28th, we're gonna have, uh, which is a Wednesday as well. We're gonna do a film. Um, we're gonna do Cesar Chavez. Um, the film is called Cesar Chavez, and it's a 2014 film, uh, and it was produced by Diego Luna. Um, so that's going to be really fun. And I'm going to go really quickly over this. I know that we have only a few minutes. Um, and we're going to, and then the following Wednesday on the 12th, uh, we're going to have a, uh, an, a film, which I, you know, hope everyone can make it. Uh, it's, it's by, uh, John Leguizamo uh, called Latin History for Morons. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, again, it's going to be at the Bijou Theater. Um, and uh, we're adding another, uh, film, a Sunday film, uh, on the 8th. Of um, of uh, October, uh, so it's going to be a family event uh, on Sunday. So you know we're really looking forward to for folks uh, so uh, for them to bring their families and enjoy uh, enjoy uh, Viva, uh, which is an uh, animation, and uh, uh, we want all all families and, and children to be there. Um, and we are going to close the we're going to close uh, the um, the celebration by having uh, by a big uh, concert on the fifteenth. By Mikata, which is um, it's uh, that band is directed by one of our own, uh, Richard Hill, who's going to be uh, there. We're going to also have some uh, some dance lessons. Uh, we're going to start the night with some uh, with some salsa dance lessons with uh, Ramon Martinez, 
Um, and then we're going to have an after party at 10.30 p.m. where, you know, everyone is invited and we, it's going to be a ball. Yeah, that's going to be also, fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, right? and we're also going to have, like, um, and, you know, worth mentioning, too, is, like, we're also going to have, like, uh, we're going to be spinning some records at Berlineta on the first Thursday. As, and as uh, some uh, uh, listeners know, we have, we have this wonderful partnership with Berlineta where on the second Thursday of every month, we have uh, WPKN programmers spin records. At, at Berlineta Brewing Company. So um, both September and October are going to be um, Latin uh, programmers. So we're going to have, a, it's going to be a lot of fun. So really looking forward to that. Um, and then we're going to have like a soft beginning of this, uh, of, um, of, the, of the celebration by, uh, at Cafe Nine, uh, where the group uh, uh, called Dos Santos, they're awesome. They're really good. Uh, they're going to come to uh, New Haven, and I'm going to be spinning records uh, with Herman, myself, and and, uh, and Rick uh, Omonte, who goes by Shaki Presents. Um, so it's a long list of things. We're really, really excited. Uh, there has been a lot of people working on, on this. So, uh, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, you know, to seeing all of you there. And, uh, you know, for folks who have not had a chance to come and hang out with us, either uh, to watch a film or, like, one of our concerts, you know, I really... Uh, want you to um, to consider coming and, um, and and celebrate with us. We are going to have all this information on our on our on our pages, on our Instagram, on our Facebook. So you know, uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, so we'll have that very soon, uh, and you'll get, you'll uh, you'll be able to uh, to just uh, follow uh, follow everything, and then you want to make sure that um, that you that you uh, that you get there. Well, thanks for the uh, synopsis. Uh, you know, lots of fun things, and uh, also not uh, not just fun, but a lot of uh, really great uh, informational uh, uh, types of uh, of uh, events going on as well. Uh, films, uh, concerts, and theater. Uh, most of it kind of based uh, in and around Bridgeport. Uh, La Gringa is going to be at the Klein, and that kicks off. That's really the BCYL. Uh, they're doing that event, but it's uh, it's a, a, one of the longest running uh, Puerto Rican uh, stage performances uh, uh, ever. So it's uh, going to be in both uh, kind of English and Spanish, I guess, with subtitles. And so it, it's supposed to be really a quite quite an interesting story, um, and that's going to kick things off. Also, I just wanted to mention uh, that uh, besides um, films, concerts, and theater uh, on on air programming is also going to be well represented with uh, special guest shows and guest programmers uh, and many uh, Hispanic and Latino uh, cultural uh, uh, projects as well. So um, that's all going to be for Hispanic Heritage. Luis Luna is uh, the the head, the chair of the WPKN planning group. And I guess we should also mention, you mentioned Frank Boris. Uh, we have one of his films uh, in uh, in the uh, rotation, uh, Frank Boris is also one of our uh, advisory committee members. As is uh, Lisette uh, Delon. Is that am I pronouncing her her name right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Lisette, yeah. Uh, Lisette Colon. Uh, is right. it Colon or Delon? Uh, Colon. Colon. Okay. And she's yeah. uh, head of human resources of the Norwalk, uh, Connecticut Board of Education. Also. Uh, Rick Reyes, we mentioned uh, his name. He's on the advisory board, as well as uh, another John Torres, who is the, uh, <laughs> the John Torres from Harborview Market, uh, as well as the Park City Music Hall. So um, I really thank you, uh, Luis, for all your direction and your planning and, uh, you know, putting together uh, really some great uh, programming. It's going to be uh, 
I think uh, just a great opportunity for WPK and being downtown again to kind of show our our true colors and you know wave multiple flags. You know, um, so yeah, uh, thanks, for sure. thanks, Louise. Yeah, no, I and, and thank you, and thank you so much for uh, you know. I'm really excited that you called me uh, today to uh, to be here, and um, and I'll be I'll be uh, on the air this week. Uh, so if you are around, um, my show is on the third Thursday of, of every month from four to seven p.m. I'm going to speak a little bit more about um, Hispanic Heritage Month, play some music, uh, I have a couple of guests coming in uh, to speak. Um, so uh, you know, uh, tune in if you if you are around uh, this Thursday. Uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. So thank you so much, Steve, uh, again. And, um, Thanks, Luis. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you again. Okay, great. Uh, again, Luis uh, Luna from WPK. And good to have him uh, uh, talking about uh, what's going to be coming up uh, not, not, not too uh, long from now, just a couple of weeks away. Let's uh, uh, turn our attention to uh, a really fine uh, nonprofit uh, based here in... Bridgeport, Connecticut, and uh, I have uh, Christina Smith. Christina is uh, she's the president and CEO of uh, a nonprofit that goes by the name of Groundwork Bridgeport. And I usually sometimes read the mission statement; it's just a little easier to give a sense of uh, what they're all about. Then we're really going to get some some details. But the mission statement of Groundwork Bridgeport is um, a mission to bring about the sustained regeneration, improvement, and management of the physical environment by empowering people, businesses, and organizations to promote environmental, economic, and social well-being. It's a pretty, pretty good mission statement. <laughs> It'd be a much better world if we all <laughs> could adopt that, I think. Uh, but, you know, before we get into... Uh, into the details um, of this nonprofit, I wanted to maybe see Christine if you could talk a bit about your your life path that you know brought you to groundwork. Uh, it's a path that has uh, well it started, I think, in Bridgeport, but it, it also you you were in exotic locations such as uh, New York City and San Francisco and and London and. Uh, now you're back. So, uh, t- you know, what's, what's your, your background a little bit and, and uh, how, did, how did you get into groundwork? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, first time being on a radio show like this. Yeah, so okay, well, good. I will admit I'm a bit nervous. Yeah, but um, I told you you were, you were a, a natural, <laughs> though, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm originally from Bridgeport, uh, born here. Um, both my parents actually are from Jamaica, but they met here in Bridgeport in the mm-hmm. 70s. Um, so spent most of my childhood here, went to multicultural magnet, uh, but we left, my mom and I left with my stepdad when I was 12 years old, moved down to Florida for two years only before returning to Connecticut, um, where my mom came back to do some work. Um, so she, we were living with a woman actually that had Alzheimer's disease. That's where my mom was helping to oversee or take care of, um, in Southport, Connecticut. So I ended up going to Fairfield High, um, graduated, went to Princeton, studied economics, worked in the financial field for about 10 years, hence my jobs in New York City and San Francisco. 
Um, but that got, then got to a point where I just wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the kind of idea came from, although it's not that unique, where people want to come back or go back to their hometown to help make it better in whatever way. Right. Um, so I decided to go back to grad school because I didn't think I could convince people just by saying, hey, I want to come do good, like hire me. Mm-hmm. So I went back to grad school, uh, did two master's degrees, one focused on basically adaptive reuse. What do you do with old, how do you reuse old buildings for new purposes? And I've always loved the old buildings in our city. Um, and then I did a, another degree um, also in London that was specifically focused on urban revitalization. It was a master's in urban regeneration, uh, which had a large focus on uh, physical revitalization. And in fact, my my specialization was in housing uh, development. Um, but for me, one of the things that's really important about revitalization is also the social aspect, which I think is often kind of neglected. People think if you, you know, if you fix it, they will come. If you build it, they will come rather. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. I think after, you know, you know, industrialization or post-industrialization, when cities were kind of on the decline, people forget that the social fabric of a city kind of tears apart. And I think helping to repair that um, is one of the big goals um, for me uh, while being at Groundwork. And, well, congratulations on, on being recruited and, and being involved because uh, it, it goes back. Uh, when was, it, when was so, it actually founded? Yeah, so many people think I actually started Groundwork, but I did not. Um, it was, I think it started around 1998, um, and I say that because it was actually a community initiative, so many of the community members here today um, were the kind of initial group starting it, uh, but it was officially incorporated in 1999, so I had just graduated from college, frankly. Um, so that was just over 20 years ago. However, um, the organization was struggling after 15 or so years, so I was hired six and a half years ago to help rebuild the organization. Um, so it was just realistically just the two of us my colleague uh tanner bergdorf and i um who had been kind of helping to rebuild groundwork um you know till today um and and hopefully growing it bigger um towards the future one thing i'll add that many people don't know so the model of groundwork was actually adapted from um, the same organization, uh, organization rather, with the same name in the UK. Oh, um, really? okay. And the Environmental that. Protection Agency, Brownfields Division, and the National Park Service learned about this model and brought the model over to the US. Okay. So Bridgeport, um, Elizabeth, and Lawrence Mass, were Elizabeth, New Jersey, Elizabeth, and Lawrence Jersey. Mass were one yeah. of the first um, groundworks brought to the US. However, we all operate independently, so we're more of a franchise model. And the goal of that is for everyone to kind of focus on the needs of the communities they're in. But we share the same logo and we share the same mission. But how we implement that is customized to mm. the community that you're in. Well, you, you mentioned uh, Tanner uh, as one of your Tanner Bergdorf. Yes. Um, I, one of the things that I, I found to be intriguing was just uh, like if you were to look at if you were to look at the, the, your staff. It's very eclectic staff, <laughs> and 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 it would, you know, for example, uh, your your involvement, and obviously with with finance, and and uh, but also with historical uh, buildings and architectural rehabbing. Uh, there was a a uh, another individual who has, uh, you know, communications and psychology. There is a graphic designer. 
Uh, there was someone who had gone to uh, school in Milwaukee and did all kinds of you know outdoors uh, agricultural things. Uh, it's it's kind of a fascinating lineup, and and I don't know. I, I guess that is that is kind of this model where it's um, there's a lot of kind of outdoors activity, environmental yeah. activity. Uh, I looked at some of the programming that you have. Uh, is it primarily it's aimed at, at high school age students? Is that yes? Uh, most of our program, at least at the moment, is uh, aimed towards high school students, and it was a specific strategy um, because of when I first started at the organization. As I said, the organization was struggling. There was literally twenty thousand dollars in the bank account, and here you had two staff trying to figure out how do we revitalize Bridgeport type of thing. Mm. So clearly, we didn't have millions of dollars to do large scale revitalization. Projects, uh, but we what we could do is focus on the literal futures of you know the stewards of the city, which are the youth um, and high school students in particular who are just about to quote unquote enter adulthood and make a you know decision on what they're going to do with their lives and how they're going to impact um, their lives. And so uh, my idea and thought was is to work with youth to teach them about how they can improve their community and contribute to their community. Because one thing I wanted to avoid was just this kind of idea of let's have like many, you know, volunteer days where we bring, you know, people in for a feel good day Mm -hmm. and then they kind of leave because the idea is at the end of the day, while we still enjoy doing those types of events, the person that needs to or the people that need to take care of the community are the ones that live in that community. Mm. Um, But they need to feel some connection to that community. They need to feel some love for that community. And frankly, you know, sometimes they just need to know how and to work with others towards that, you know, towards that goal, towards that mission. Well, I like the idea that there's a lot of, um, you know, service. There are service elements, you know, servicing back to the community. It's it's an, an option. It's an alternative to you know theater programs or sports programs suddenly you have like this whole service element and kind of outdoor environment agricultural environment you know in uh some of the the programs you have like for example this uh urban rangers <laughs> program i mean it sounds like a, a, you know a great opportunity for people to kind of find out about things that they wouldn't know otherwise you know yeah and i think um frankly with the youth and even some of the uh adults that have participated for example in our walking club they've learned so much or they tell us that they've learned so much about bridgeport right um through our programming and one of again one of our big things is about exposure for the youth so mm-hmm. you know we've taken a number of students on trips to the national park service who's still a big partner and it's a lot of the times the first times the kids have ever left bridgeport never been never mind being on a plane Right. Um, and these little moments of exposure, I mean, at the end of the day, like our connections are very important. Our network, those weak ties are very important to someone's quote unquote success in life. And so the more that we can, you know, expand their horizons by showing them different things and then having them bring that back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and another reason for a lot of the, the National Park Service work and doing outdoors work is that in order for people uh, to take care of the outdoors or their environment, they have to feel connected to it and love it. And that happens when, you know, you're actively involved in stewarding uh, that environment, Um, whether, again, social initiatives or, you know, ecological like Mm -hmm. initiatives and things of that nature, which is actually mostly what we're known for. Right. Well, you mentioned just in passing quickly walking club. Yes. But I I saw that uh, in, in some of your literature and, some different initiatives like they have there's like a tree core 
uh, and there's uh, How Green Are You, and then Walking Club. Yeah. So, so tell me about this Walking Club. What, 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 so the Walking Club, um, which I have to be honest, has been a bit slow this year. And yeah. I mean, frankly, it's been hot. Um, the Walking Club <laughs> actually started uh, because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, where social isolation is, is up there in terms of public health concerns. Um, and we've had this issue even before COVID, never mind after, like during the pandemic. And so... When it was feasible, so about a year after um, COVID started and it was spring again, we participated in this text campaign, um, which garnered, I think, a thousand people who responded to say they were interested in joining this walking club. Um, And then we had a couple of regulars who signed up. But the goal of it was for people to get outside of their house, get outside to walk, get Mm -hmm. outside to meet one another. Um, And then there became this core of, say, like 10 people, mostly women, um, who just became so involved in our work in terms of constantly showing up to volunteer events, showing up at Charette's where we're discussing how we're going to improve a site, attending the film festival. Um, I actually have on my schedule to plan an event. Uh, The last year we didn't get to do it, but this year they wanted to um, take the ferry over to Port Jeff and just kind of like bond and get together. Um, And, you know, one of the members in particular has just emphasized how she lived here in Bridgeport for 40 years and said she'd not learned as much as she had about Bridgeport as from her interaction with us at Groundwork. Those are great metrics to get, right? Um, uh, Talking with you, Christina Smith, who's president and CEO of Groundwork Bridgeport. Uh, Really nice, really unusual nonprofit and doing some unusual uh, activities, but which are, are just... I think, you know, really great. Uh, another one that caught my eye was this uh, landscape design and placemaking studio that you could have high school kids that would be able to, you know, explore landscape design and, uh, you know, trying to actually work with businesses and trying to come up with uh, solutions and, and ideas. And, uh, I mean, again, we're talking about this is a program aimed at primarily high school, high school yeah. kids. And so... the I think that's fantastic. You know, what a great opportunity. I mean, you just had, uh, what was it, Luis Luna on, right, talking about the, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month event and the first thing coming through my mind. So as part of our youth program, at the end of the program, students and groups present their idea to improve Bridgeport. And one of our cohorts um, from Harding, because we worked there earlier this year, um, was a group of mostly students from Central America, Um, and South America and they wanted to put on their own kind of like Latin appreciation um, festival Um, I don't know if they call it Latin or Hispanic Um, and I made me think like oh I wonder if they have like a youth involvement like element um, here because I have a whole group of students who would be willing to contribute Um, they were really interested in kind of sharing foods and things of you know from their various countries Um, but it's amazing, and honestly, I, I, I want to start recording these presentations, the ideas that the students come up with that they want to implement. But more so than the ideas they just come up with, we do actually want to get to the point where we start to be able to um, implement these ideas. Right now, again, we've just started hiring additional staff, but um, we've been limited, again, with just Tanner and I, so we hadn't been able to manage the implementation of those um, projects properly, uh, but we're hoping for the future that that will be one of the things that we can do, is actually getting those student um, projects implemented. Well, you have a very active uh, Facebook page, and uh, also your 
Your website has a lot of really good information for those that might want to read more about uh, Groundwork Bridgeport. Uh, yeah. Well, go Go ahead to our website. is gwbpt.org, O-R-G. Great. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming in to yeah, the studio. That wasn't wasn't me. so tough. You, you, you were <laughs> f- fantastic, uh, Thanks, Christina Steve. Smith uh, from Ground Work Bridgeport. Thank you so much for telling us a little bit more about your fine nonprofit. And uh, we're going to be uh, right back. Uh, so stay tuned to the uh, GM Report to the listeners. This is WPKN. Back we are on the GM report to the listeners. I'm Steve DiCostanzo from WPKN. We're community radio, and uh, I've got uh, some members of the community right here doing some. I've got two uh, members of the community doing really interesting things. Uh, so uh, let me first of all uh, introduce uh, Joanne Hudson, who's the uh, founder uh, of the uh, festival, the uh, Ridgefield Independent Film Festival, also the board chair, and they have a very uh, interesting event. Uh, coming up this Sunday at the Ridgefield Playhouse. And so uh, we're going to be talking with Joanne. And uh, we thought we'd make it real community-oriented and also uh, bring in uh, Susan Clark uh, from Reading. So we've got kind of Ridgefield and Reading represented here. Uh, and Susan Clark uh, is the publisher uh, and the founder of a new newspaper for Reading, which I think is pretty interesting called the Reading Sentinel. Uh, I used to live in Reading, and I can remember um, the Reading pilot, you know. Uh, but uh, that's long gone, but uh, we're going to talk with her as well. So let me, first of all, um, just uh, let's start out with um, the Ridgefield Independent Film Festival. Uh, talk, if you could, a little bit about uh, the background, you know, of the festival. This is not the main event coming up this Sunday, 
But uh, tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how you segued, you know, into I've got a, a wonderful, um, you know, bio here. You know, you playwright, director, filmmaker, uh, done a lot of different things uh, in, in the arts, Fulbright, Fulbright Scholar, uh, Columbia University School of the Arts. Uh, got an MFA there. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, when did you start the film festival and talk about what's happening on Sunday? Okay. Um, well, I moved to Ridgefield in 2009 um, after grad school, and you spent a lot of time walking up and down Main Street um, and noticing all the amazing venues that Ridgefield has to offer. Uh, so around 2015, because uh, when I graduated, there were uh, 2008, it was uh, there were no jobs. <laughs> um, so uh, around 2015, I started thinking about a film festival and uh, there was a platform called Film Freeway that was really easy to set a film festival up on and I kept thinking, you know, having films in all these venues like the Aldrich Museum, the Ridgefield Playhouse, Keeler Tavern Museum. So that first year in 2016, I think we had 10 venues including like Luke's Cafe. The idea Mm -hmm. was to have a town-wide film festival um, and all the venues could uh, host films and we would sort of, it would be a site-specific curated film festival. Uh, so that's what we did in, 20, in May of 2016, and then we've kept going. Um, even through 2020, we went online. In 2021, we came back with a hybrid festival, and um, this year we're just having a small shorts festival at the Ridgefield Playhouse on this Sunday. Um, but in May of 2023, we're going to go back to the full four-day festival. Right, right. Yeah. And so this Sunday, what you've done is is... It looks like the setup is that you, you, you you've chosen a theme uh, having to do with um, well, it's are the kids all right? Yeah, that's that's the overarching theme. So there, these are are all short films uh, that are talking about raising resilient children in cinema, something to yeah. that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, raising resilient children in cinema. I've been thinking about well, the, first of all, the films I wanted to program. A lot of them were youth-oriented and youth being, like, into the 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, the, for example, Stranger Things is such a phenomenon, uh, right. that show. Yeah. And I really think that that is a response to um, so many things, like, um, you know, Sandy Hook, Uvalde, climate change, all these uh, big things that mm-hmm. can't be controlled by kids. But um, there's some history of youth in cinema that it's kind of like the 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 parents are kind of checked out or too busy the kids are forming their own um they're solving their own problems they're going on some kind of quest adventure uh that kind of thing and um you know starting back i don't know the 400 blows the Truffaut film Mm -hmm. you know rebel without a cause all of this this sort of kind of coming of age stories Yeah, yeah yeah and um and the films I was looking at that I, that really inspired me were that, and then the Uvalde shooting, hap- shooting happened, and I thought, you know, this is what I'm going to hone in on. So that you just focused on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So see, these are all short films. You have like seven of them or so? There's nine <laughs> short films. They range from like five minutes to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. All um, made, are they all domestic uh, yeah, films? Yeah, they are or? international. From, uh, we have one from Palestine. Uh, that's a beautiful film called Maradona's Legs about these two kids. Oh, that's on your... 
poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, two kids growing up in the '90s. It's it's an autobiographical film uh, by the filmmaker. Mm. Uh, they're trying to get the last sticker in their uh, World Cup book, which is the Brazilian um, soccer player right, Maradona, right. and they they want to get his legs. So they go on this adventure, you know, to try and get this win an Atari by mm. filling in their sticker book. Um, but there's also um, oh, Koreatown ghost story uh, about a woman in uh, young woman in uh, L.A. in Koreatown mm-hmm. going to see an acupuncturist. Uh, turns out she's been uh, wedded to a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's a mix. All done in uh, just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we only have a couple of minutes. I want to make sure that we uh, <clears throat> first of all give the information. Yes. Where could people find find out about the film festival? Um, well, to buy tickets, you can go to the Ridgefield Playhouse website. But the easiest link uh, is riffct.org, R-I-F-F-C-T.org. Uh, that's our homepage, and uh, there's a ticket link right there. Good. Thank you for that. Uh, and uh, sorry that we have to be so quick on this, but uh, I ran over a little bit, I think, uh, I wanted to um, thank, uh, again, Joanne Hudson for coming down and uh, it's going to be the best of the Riff Shorts Fest. Are the kids all right? That's going to be at the Ridgefield Playhouse this Sunday. Uh, ticket information, best place to go? Um, be, again, uh, the Ridgefield Playhouse uh, or riffct.org. Okay, good. Pla- there's going to be a panel discussion. Uh, film critic Joe Myers is going to be there. There's going to be an award. Yes. Uh, anyways, it's really a, a, a great uh, event this uh, this Sunday. So, um and right next door to Ridgefield in Reading, uh, Susan Clark, uh, who um, you know has had quite an interesting background. It was mostly she's done a little bit of everything from American Express to hospitality in London. She's been uh, in primarily with the Economist magazine, running global operations, and and uh, also uh, uh, chief marketing officer as well in New, in New York and London and Geneva. Uh, but she has uh, decided that. Uh, she wants uh, some uh, newsprint, uh, you know, uh, journalism to come back to Reading. And, and having been in publishing my life, uh, that's what I did, print. I, I miss print. And I'm glad you're, you've resurrected a, a, well, you've not resurrected, you've made your own Reading Sentinel. So tell me about that journey. Yeah. Um, well, print is definitely an unusual thing to be doing in this day and age. I, I recognize that. But yeah. um, Reading needed some kind of common ground, some place for people to get a common set of facts. And print seemed to be the best way to do it. Mm. Um, well, you're off to a fast start. Off to a fast I, start. I read somewhere that uh, you, you put out an issue and 17% of the households uh, uh, took uh, subscriptions. And maybe that's higher probably by it, now. It was 24% by the time wow. we finished with the June issue. That's uh, great. 24%. And... Um, with each subsequent issue, we had more advertisers than we'd had in previous ones, mm. and, and lots of people in town have gotten in touch uh, wanting to contribute articles, wanting us to cover certain topics. Good. So it's really seems to have resonated mm. with, with the community. Well, it's called the uh, Reading Sentinel, and uh, it's, uh, it's off to a really fast start. And it was also, I think he, there was a nice article in the Washington Post yeah. About uh, yeah, Margaret uh, Sullivan. Yeah, that was uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So um, I think that writing is lucky because uh, I've I've had a chance to look at a couple of the issues and uh, I, I I just think it's um, it it was sorely missing, you know. Um, and 
you know, all politics is uh, is local, and it really is so so important to have local sources of of news and communication. And interestingly, we did some research when, in the beginning, and the one thing, the number one thing that people wanted was news and information about Reading and town government and how everything works mm-hmm. and who's making the decisions and all of that. Yeah. Second to that was information about arts and culture and you know, resources in town, whether it's the library or New Plant Farm, but people really, really wanted to know what was going on yeah. in town management, if you will. And, and how many issues are you hoping to do? Um, you, do you have one coming out? Yep, soon? so we took the, the summer off in order to try to get organized for the long term, mm-hmm. and our next issue is September 1st. We'll be bi-weekly for September and October, and then with the wind at our back, we will yeah. be going weekly from November. So um, we'll be a little bit less frequent around holiday periods and in the summer, but the plan is 40 issues mm-hmm. um, over the coming year yeah. from September 1st. The uh, the group that used to be involved in some of the publications, was it called uh, was it Acorn, right? Acorn yeah, Media? Yeah, yeah. Are there any people from, from that group that are working with you? Or? Well, I've been, I was fortunate enough to um, spend a little time on LinkedIn when I was setting up the Sentinel and discovered that a couple of the reporters who had been with the Reading Pilot um, were freelancing. So Donna mm-hmm. Christopher and Rocco Veluzzo. Have, oh, I remember those have, names. Yeah. yeah, aren't they familiar names? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So they are writing for the Sentinel right now. We're very fortunate to have them, hmm. along with others, of course. Yeah. yeah. So do you, do you think there are going to be some other uh, followers uh, around the, uh, the area? Have, have other, other town, townspeople given you a call and picked your brain a little bit about uh, um, this? Some, well, it's actually been the other way around. Some print yeah. uh, publishers around have gotten in touch and, and very generously said, can I help in any way? Mm-hmm. Is there any nice. information? And so I'm meeting with some of those. I have already met with um, a woman from Red Hook, New York, who has a digital and online publication. She was very curious about why we chose print rather than mm. online. And, and uh, But we're sharing stories. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's, uh, well, I mean, you were, you got into digital pretty early, it looks like, in terms of when you were at The Economist. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was... Uh, yeah. When I, in my career, I, I was always with, you know, with print and trade magazines for the most part. But when I, I did sell a trade magazine that I owned, and they took it immediately digitally. Digitally, you know, yeah. it made sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it's expensive to print. <laughs> but it's also yeah. really expensive to do online, to do websites. I mean, those, True, you know, they, yeah. they need to be updated they, in that. Um, it just chews up resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's... It, it's but I, I have your copy right here in front of me somewhere. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it looks it looks great, and it uh, some some you know nice reporting. And uh, if people wanted to get more information, what's the best way to to take a look at at uh, the Reading Sentinel? We have um, basic information on our website. Okay. ReadingSentinel.org dot um, is the the best place to go. Great, great. Well, thank you all for coming in you know appreciate it uh, yeah i just wanted to say i am a reading resident now and oh you I'm, are okay good. yeah i'm good. thrilled to have the physical newspaper good. again well, thank you thank you, thank and, you very uh, we'll much see you next month <laughs> and, uh, good luck with the film festival and good luck with the sentinel Thanks. thank you thank you steve this is fc buzz 
on WPKN Radio. A brief look at what's happening around Fairfield County. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our weekly selection from FC Buzz Events, the best guide to arts and culture in coastal Fairfield County. Find it at culturalalliancefc.org. Monday, 6 to 8 p.m., Backcountry Jazz presents another free concert of the Greenwich Jazz Festival 2022, featuring extraordinary jazz artists from celebrated greats to young rising stars, outdoors on a Greenwich Great Lawn. This Monday, enjoy Anthony Wilson on guitar, Benny Wallace, tenor sax, Yasushi Nakamura on bass, and Vinton Hines Jr. on drums. To reserve tickets, call 203-561-3111. That's 203-561-3111. Or email Jeanette at backcountryjazz.org and the location of the Great Lawn will be revealed. Monday at 7, the Westport Library brings you on the ground in Ukraine with Ukraine Aid International's Brian Mayer, who recently returned from his third extended visit to Ukraine, where he was joined in July by Westporter Ken Bernhardt. Brian and Ken will discuss the triumphs and difficulties of the Ukrainian people as they protect themselves against Russian invasion. Join them to learn what has been working on the ground in Ukraine and where the most help is still needed. Monday, 7 p.m., Fairfield University's Quick Center for the Arts brings you National Theatre Live, Prima Facia, Jody Comer, Killing Eve, makes her West End debut in the UK premiere of Susie Miller's award-winning play about a young, brilliant barrister who's worked her way up from working-class origins. An unexpected event forces her to confront the lines where the patriarchal power of the law, burden of proof, and morals diverge. Justin Martin directs the solo tour de force captured live from the intimate Harold Pinter Theatre in London's West End. Monday, 8 o'clock, at the Ridgefield Playhouse, it's Ladysmith Black Mombasa. Designated by Nelson Mandela as South Africa's cultural ambassadors to the world, Ladysmith Black Mombazo have been warming hearts with their uplifting vocal harmonies, signature dance moves, and charming onstage banter for 60 years and counting. The group, of course, was catapulted into international fame after lending vocals and inspiration to Paul Simon's classic Graceland album in 1987. Since then, they've garnered 19 Grammy nominations with five wins, with their music underpinning a timeless message of peace, love, and harmony. Each performance is a treat for the soul and the senses. For details on these and hundreds more events, check FC Buzz Events at culturalalliancefc.org. This was FC Buzz on WPKN Radio. Space is the place. The City of Bridgeport and the Downtown Special Services District invite you to share your skill, imagination, and inspiration to help transform downtown Bridgeport. 
The Colored In Public Spaces Project seeks architects, landscape designers, environmental artists, garden designers, urban engineers, inventors, fabricators, and makers to reimagine multiple downtown Bridgeport public spaces. The Colored In Public Spaces Project aspires to activate different sites as a means to enhance the experience of residents, business owners, daytime workers, and visitors to the downtown. We seek ideas to create, make accessible, and establish sustainable multifunctional spaces for community engagement, recreation, play, events, and markets. We are open to all formats of space activation. For more information about the Colored In Public Spaces Project, email hello at infobridgeport.com or call us at 203-908-3622. Hello, this is Laura Ainsworth, and you're listening to 89.5 FM WPKN in Bridgeport, streaming at wpkn.org, listener-supported community radio.